I've always wanted to teach the blended service with the children present. I'm so glad y'all are here today, and I'm going to do my best to help keep you in line with what God is saying. And parents, I'm here to try to help you put attention on what God is saying instead of on your kids. And it's all right if the Holy Ghost or just a child or a parent makes some noises during this service. I want to give you full participation to thank God for that because life is good. Am I right? Yeah, life is good. But not all life is super satisfying, is it? Sometimes we're disappointed. You know, one of the interesting things about Jesus' birth that we don't think about very often You know that Mary rode on an uncomfortable donkey for miles and miles to Bethlehem, gave birth in an uncomfortable area, uh, and laid her baby in a feeding trough, and, and that was God's will, right? You might not realize this, but they had to get up a few days after Jesus' birth and go to Jerusalem to present Jesus in the temple, then go back to Bethlehem and stay with their family or wherever they might have stayed. Did you know that? while traveling for a new mom. But then some wise men came from the far east and they came to see Jesus and they found out through an angel that some people were coming to attack their new baby, Jesus. Did you know that? And so she had to get up and flee with her husband across the desert all the way to Egypt and they lived in Egypt. They couldn't even go home. Did you know that? Fairly disappointing, wouldn't you think? Could you imagine... You are being told, hey, we're about to go to Disney World. Does that sound great? Yeah. And, and you get to go to Disney World. And that's going to be a wonderful trip for you. Are you excited about this? Tell me if you're excited. I want to hear it. Yeah, you're excited about this. However, no one said you were going to stay at Disney World. You pass right through Disney World and you have to go down to, I don't know, Ocala, Florida. And if you've ever been to Ocala, Florida, it's swampy. There's mosquitoes bigger than the mosquitoes in Texas, and you have to stay there. And while you're there, you don't get to eat the good foods that look like Mickey Mouse. You get to eat alligator tail and other things that aren't even cooked the right way. Are you excited about this now? Yeah, some of y'all are. All right. Well, let me add a little more to you. It has Brussels sprout gravy on top of it. It's a little disappointing. I mean, truthfully, you did get to go to Disney World, but you didn't get to stay at Disney World. You didn't get to ride the rides. It wasn't what you expected. For some of us, 2019 wasn't that way, was it? It's not what we expected. We wonder if God even heard our prayers at all. Did he answer them? I mean, did God disappoint us this year? Can God even disappoint us? Oh, man. It's a great question, and one we're going to try to answer in the book of Habakkuk. If you don't know where Habakkuk is, you can start turning there now, and by the time I get to the text, maybe you'll find it. But the truth is, if you go to Matthew in the New Testament and you flip back five books, they're small books, you'll get to Habakkuk. You see, Habakkuk was a prophet. That means that God told him what to say, and he would tell it to the people so that they would be able to follow what God said. And hopefully, repent if they did wrong things, so they turn back to the Lord. But Habakkuk lived at a time where the nation was almost gone. 
the unthinkable. God created this nation. It was supposed to be there so people could look at how obedient they were to God and think, wow, that God's great, and all the other nations would turn to him. But the nation didn't do that. Instead, they started acting like the other nations around them. In fact, there are kings that would even bring in other gods and they would put them in their temple so that they could worship them. There was even evil kings and one evil king named Manasseh that happened before Habakkuk's life that would even kill his children thinking that's what God wanted him to do. Israel and the nation of Judah was completely disobedient to God. And God sent Habakkuk. We don't know much about Habakkuk. He's not really mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. There's actually a fun little Septuagint story called The Bell and the Dragon that mentions Habakkuk. And it's supposed to be the 13th chapter of Daniel, but doesn't fit with the rest of Daniel. It's pretty easy to realize this isn't the Bible. But what happens in there is absolutely fascinating. So Daniel... The Persian king took over in this chapter. And Daniel actually was living amongst them. And in the temple, they had this god of Baal, or actually it was Baal in, in, uh, in Babylon at that time. And Daniel was like, this god's not even alive. And they said, we put food out for him every night. And someone comes in and he obviously eats it. So obviously this god is alive. And Daniel says, no, he's not. And he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Let's lock the temple up, and we'll see if the food's gone. They lock the temple up, and the next day the food's completely gone. The people say, see, Bell is alive. He ate the food. He said, wait, 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 one second. There's this great show called Duck Dynasty. And in Duck Dynasty, uh, the, the, the father said, you know what, there's a lizard loose in the warehouse and they put flour on the ground and they were able to find where the lizard went. So Daniel had the same idea years and years later. He tells them to put ashes on the ground inside the temple, lock it up again. And when they woke up the next morning, the food was gone, but there was little footprints that came from this trap door underneath the table. And they found out the priest and his family were going in and eating all the food. So the God wasn't alive. Well, this upset the people. They said, no, that was our God. Well, you have to believe in this dragon. There's this live dragon over here, and he is living. You can't deny that he's not, not God. And so what, what Daniel says, according to Bell and the dragon, is that he made these little cakes that had explosives in them and blew up the dragon from the inside. He said, how can that be God if he could be killed by little explosive cakes? Well, Daniel got thrown in the lion's den again, according to this story. And we got thrown in the lion's den again, according to this story. He was hungry. Because he was there for six days. The lions didn't need him or anything. And so an angel went to Habakkuk. Picked him up by his hair. And carried him and dropped him into the lion's den to feed Daniel. And then picked him up and carried him back. That's the only recording we have of Habakkuk in the literature. We do not know anything about Habakkuk. Because that story is completely untrue. And I just wasted four and a half minutes of the sermon. <laughs> But what we do know about Habakkuk, what we do know about Habakkuk is this, is that Habakkuk saw what was going on and he was disappointed and he turned to God. Let's look at our first, our first section of Habakkuk, chapter one. 
the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence. But you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife, conflict, it's everywhere. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. By the way, that's your law, God. And the justice never prevails, which I think is your job, God. And then he says this, the wicked him in the righteous, so that law is perverted. Now, it's very clear that Habakkuk is disappointed in what God has chosen to do. I mean, God's in control of all things, right? We know that, right? And he's allowing these evil people, if you can understand it, this evil people seem to be attacking his country. That's supposed to be a God-fearing country. How can you let that happen, God? It seems like you aren't doing your job. And he accuses them of two things. Number one, you're not listening to my prayers. Could you imagine God not listening to your prayers? Number two, I don't even think you're paying attention to what's going on down here. You don't see it. A couple of things here. I'm not entirely sure Habakkuk should be approaching God in this kind of way. He does some things right. Number one, if you're upset or you're disappointed, you should pray to God. You should turn to him. I think that was correct. Number two, if you see something going on that needs prayer, you should turn to God. I think God did that too. But the third thing he did was he accused God of doing those things. I don't know if you should blame God for doing what he chooses to do. Kids, it's like this. How many of you in here have drawn a picture? Raise your hand. You've drawn a picture. All right. You've gotten out a piece of paper. You've selected the colors. Who selected the colors? You did. When you got out the colors and you got out the pencil, who selected what to draw on the page? You did. You got to color it. You got to draw the shapes. You got to design people the way that, they want, that, that you wanted to design them or a dog or a unicorn or a rainbow or just squigglies. You got to put the pen wherever you wanted to put the pen because you're the artist and you're in control. Am I right? What if I told you God's the artist and you're the drawing? Would it make sense to talk back to the artist and say, I don't like the color that you made my pants? It doesn't make sense because he's the artist, you're not. You can't even pick up the pen. Also, sometimes God's still drawing the picture while we're praying to him and we're upset without even knowing where he's going with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be disappointed before you even see what the finished picture looks like. The great thing about what God is drawing, he's already told us what it's going to look like in the future. And the finished picture is better than anything we could ever experience if we believe in Jesus Christ. Because that's the way. You know, we don't know why God does everything that he chooses to do. But there's some things we do know about God. He's lived longer than all of us. And with age comes wisdom. And with God 
wisdom was created. So he might know what he's doing even when we don't. The other thing we can assume is this. Why would we think we know what God's planning to do if we don't or are not God himself? Maybe God is preparing you for something that's even better than you would have even anticipated. Or, even if not better, maybe God's preparing to use you in a way that maybe you were designed and only you were designed to be used. And you didn't even recognize it. Surprise, surprise, the last thing in the world I ever wanted to be was a preacher. I grew up in a church. My dad's a pastor. I went to church. I went to a small town church. I thought that that's the only job that Christians could have. And the last thing I wanted to do was do that. And I looked for other things to do. I wanted to be, uh, I thought, you know what? I can still help people if I work in a hospital. So I went to, I was going to be a, in cardiac rehab and pursue therapy and those other things to help people rehabilitate after they've had injuries and those other things. And God struck my heart. And I recognized, like, I could help people get better for a little while there. But I want people to be better for a lifetime, an eternal lifetime. And when Jesus gave me that gift by revealing himself to me and I believed in him and what he did on the cross for my sins, I wanted to turn around and give that to every single person I met, no matter how young or how old. God is paying attention. He does hear you. But maybe we should approach God the right way. And the only way you can find out the right way is to remember what he's done and keep practicing. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep reading, keep learning. Parents, adults, students, kids, don't give up because God's still working on you. You can be disappointed, but just know one day, Hold on to this one thing. One day you will all be satisfied forever and ever and never disappointed again. So Habakkuk prayed to God and then he received an answer. Wouldn't that be great if you received an answer as soon as you prayed? You know, one time my daughter asked me, how do you know God is listening to you? How do you listen to God whenever you're praying? And we got to have a, a great conversation about what that's like how God has answered us in many ways and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives if we're believers and how we can follow him. But here Habakkuk is told immediately what God says. And so let's see what God says. This section is called an unexpected answer. God says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Okay, right off the bat. Remember the accusation that Habakkuk made? Remember what he said? You don't listen to my prayers, and are you even paying attention? Do you even see what's going on? Because I see it. Immediately, God's response was, watch and you look. It will be so unbelievable, you won't even believe it if you were told, which God is doing right now. You see, God is as there in his prayer. Look at how he answers it. I'm raising up the Babylonians. 
You see, the Babylonians were a nation that was over to the east a little bit, a little bit north of this area. And they were a conquering nation, super powerful. In fact, they, they made lions like a big part of who they were. They had statues of them everywhere. They had this intimidating wall and corridor that was purple and blue and yellow. And it had all these figurines and it all led to where their temple was in their city. It was amazing. And it was such an impressive feat that even... King Nebuchadnezzar actually made his throne room look just like that. So whenever you went to see him, you were intimidated because of what they were able to accomplish. They were sweeping across the nation. They were conquering every nation, every city on the way. So people knew who they were. And God said to Habakkuk, I'm actually raising them up. There are ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth and seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards. Now, have any of y'all watched National Geographic and seen a leopard? They're quick. They're quick. They're sneaky and they're quick and they move at night. It says fiercer than wolves at dusk. Again, National Geographic. You ever seen a pack of wolves run? You can't get away from them. Because once one gets tired, another one comes up behind them. They run in such a way that they wear you out. Their cavalry gabblets headlong and their horsemen from afar. It's as if they're galloping across a long distance and they never get tired. And they fly like an eagle swooping to devour. Okay, National Geographic. Eagles swoop. There's this interesting eagle in this area where Babylon is, actually. And this eagle will it'll see a goat on the side of a mountain. And what it'll do, it'll swoop down, grab the goat, and knock him off the mountain so it'll fall. And then go down and swoop down and eat him. It's conniving. It's, you don't even see him coming. And their hordes advance like desert wind. They mock the kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities by building earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past their wind and go on. Guilty people. And in fact, look at this. They don't even worship God. They worship their own strength. Habakkuk received an answer. But he didn't get the answer he wanted. I think... When we pray to God and we claim he's not listening and doesn't answer, oftentimes it's not that he doesn't answer. It's that he didn't answer it the way we wanted him to. That's hard. What do you do with that? Well, the truth is our parents don't always answer our requests the way we want them, do they, kids? I mean, how many of you want to eat cake for breakfast every single day? Anybody? Sounds good, right? Cake for breakfast. Why not? It's delicious. It has icing. There's multiple different kinds of cake. You don't even have to eat the same cake every day. And baking so much fun. We do it as a family together. Why can't we just do that and decorate together, have a cake every morning? It sounds like a wonderful life. But if your parent says no, it's not because they don't love you. It's because they understand if you eat cake every day, even though one time might be good, you're setting in, an, uh, I would say, a habit that would cause you to have problems down the road. So the loving thing to do is to not eat cake every day, even though you requested it. Can you believe that? Because healthy food helps you grow, helps you be smart, helps you help others, right? 
And so maybe cake every day for breakfast is not a good thing. However, when we pray to God, we often ask him questions like, will you let me have cake every day for breakfast? Your prayers come out like that, don't they? And you're upset that God didn't give you cake every day for breakfast. How should we pray? You see, the truth is, is that God answers us, but sometimes he doesn't answer us the way that we want him to answer us. And the truth is, the way that God answered Habakkuk here, if you look back at Leviticus 26, it says this, I will multiply your afflictions seven times if you refuse to listen to me, as your sins deserve. And I will send animals against you, and they will rob you of your children. I find it interesting that Babylon was described as animals coming against Judah. And we know when Babylon attacked, they took one of their most famous children, Daniel, from them. What Habakkuk should have thought, because he's a prophet and knew God's word, was when he described Babylon, I should lead my nation to repentance. But instead, he accused God. You know what gives me comfort in knowing that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want? I don't think he answered all of Jesus' prayers the way he wanted either. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father, if there's any other way, will you take this cup from me? And the Father's answer was, there was no other way. But we can learn from something from Jesus. I think we can learn a lot of some things from Jesus, but this one in particular right now is that when he asked he didn't ask to take away the cup. He asked if there was any other way according to God's will. Maybe we should change the way we pray. Not just to take a cup from you, not just to help this hurt be gone, but Lord, is there any way that you can make it a little better for me so I can still accomplish what you want me to do? Can you somehow help us repent so that you can use us continually, right? And it, should be, it should help us reflect. So the first start is approach God the right way. The second one, know that maybe God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want, but know that he does answer and he does care. The last section is making sense of God's plan. Habakkuk says, Lord, you're not from everlasting. My God, my Holy One, you, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than themselves? That line itself tells me that Habakkuk wasn't listening to God. You have made people like the fish of the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. And then he goes on the rest of the chapter to describe 
the wicked and what they're going to do to them and how they're just going to offer praises to their nets as they capture them like fish instead of offering praises to God. Why would you use those people? But when he says in verse 13 at the end, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk has this view. Look up here. Pretend this is God right here, this little area. Can y'all see this? You can't, it's invisible, but I'm circling it. It's right there. This is where God is higher than anything else I'm gonna reach. So pretend that's as high as it possibly can be because we know God is higher than all, right? This right here is Habakkuk and his people. And he's saying, look, I know we're not close to you, but these people, Babylon, they're way far away. And instead of dealing with us, you should be dealing with them, right? Obviously, they're the unrighteous ones. We'll come next. We'll repent. We'll come back to you. But deal with these people right here. But that's not the way that God looks at things. Remember, this is God. This is Habakkuk. This is Babylon. God wants to deal with them so that they'll be a light to them. We too often think of it this way. They're evil, they're bad, why don't you do something? And God's saying, no, I want to reach them, but to reach them, I have to reach you. I have to reach you. Have you ever wondered why in Scripture it says that judgment is going to be more severe on those people that teach God's word? It's because God takes serious the people that are his representatives on earth. If you love Jesus Christ, if you follow him faithfully, people will look to you to see if what you say is what you believe. And they'll judge whether or not Jesus is really loving based off the way that you act. The truth is, are you sure you know who you are? Are you sure you know how God wants to use you? Do you realize that you are called the clay and God is called the potter? And in that passage of scripture, it's a wet clay, not a clay that has been put in a kiln and set. It's still being molded to be used. And you're not sure how you will be used, but God wants to use you and he's shaping you. And sometimes shaping you hurts. But the truth is, is that it's the hurtful things that help me turn back to the Lord in my life. And probably is true for many of you. It's the times that I've had hardships that have caused me to turn back to who the Lord is. And I put my hope in Him. But many of us as parents, we're trying to remove those hardships from our kids' lives so they, they can't recognize that they need something else. And we think we're saving them from hurt, but maybe we're saving them from turning to Jesus. God wants to use you. And it comforts me that we might not know why evil exists and how it's going to shape us, but we know that we don't go through this alone. Jesus himself went through evil and hardships. 
We might be able to say we don't understand why, but we can never say that God doesn't love us. Because while we are yet still sinners, Christ died for us. We know the answer isn't that God doesn't care. Does God disappoint us? No. Ultimately, he's going to give us ultimate satisfaction. But we can be, we can experience hurt and turn to God and say that to him. And ask him to help us go through it because he's been through it himself. So, what do we take away? Number one, remember who God is and approach him the right way. Turn to him in prayer. Turn to him seeking wisdom. Number two, know that God is answering your prayers. And even though you might not like the answers, ask him to help you understand them and be okay with them and grow with them and recognize them. And number three, recognize our role is that we are to look different than the world. And when we don't get the answers that we want, we should respond the same way Jesus does, with submission and recognizing that God can still use even those hard things for good. Ultimately, when Mary fled to Egypt, she fled from a king that was trying to kill her baby. Eventually, that king died and she was able to go home. And because she was obedient, the world got to know who Jesus Christ was. And you get to hear about him today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love. We thank you for the way that you walk with us and don't leave us behind. We thank you for the way that you've given us a church that even in hard times, we have people that are with us and can pray for us. We thank you that you know all things and are in control of all things. And even though we might not have done those things the way that you've chosen to, your way is best because we don't understand. Lord, help us to be comfortable or take comfort in the fact that you're in control. And help us to turn to you often and seek you every day as we follow after you. We thank you for the way that you did this through your son. And we look forward to him returning again. It's by your son's name we pray. Amen.